0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red Podcast. I'm your host today and I'm Connor Dunn. Um, I've currently got one arm as I had a bit of it, surgery on Tuesday, which you might be able to see if you're watching this. Hello, everybody. Joining me is Paul Gorse. Paul, how are you?
1: I'm good, Connor. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not too bad. I think I'm doing better than you actually at the moment. Yeah, I think most people are doing um, yeah. better than me at the moment, to be fair,
0: but <laughs> hey, I'm still chipper <laughs> and excited. Ian Doyle, how are you? I'm okay. You are never not excited. Were you absolutely super enthused
2: while you were having surgery though?
0: I was actually unaware of the surgery, so <laughs> couldn't be as enthused. I say, you would have been knocked out I wasn't excited before it. Excited. Like, before oh God,
3: okay. excited. Yeah. Excited. Like well, a nervous well. excitement.
0: I think just to get rid of the pain and get my arm fixed. Yeah. But,
3: Fair you use. know, and...
0: On my left is Kiva Neal. Il- I've
3: Kiva. already interrupted, haven't I?
0: Quite right. How are you?
3: Yeah, good as well. I've got a bit of a sore shoulder, but I can't complain, can I? Next no, you I mean, I'm definitely, definitely not. Not. What is wrong
0: with these youngsters? Why
3: can't they look after just... themselves? Echo FC. <laughs> <laughs> In
0: anyway, some people who can look after themselves are Liverpool FC. Uh, <laughs> that is absolutely seen. Yes. That is
2: why you're hosting.
0: Indeed. Once again, they have come through from behind against Aston Villa this weekend. 2-1. Paul, what did you make of it?
1: thought for the first half, Liverpool were very poor and Aston Village crowd certainly helped them. Newly promoted team, this is exactly why they fought so hard in the Championship to get back to the Premier League for these type of afternoons. The European champions, the Premier League leaders were there and they played very well, to be fair to them. Uh, second half, Liverpool played a lot better. Um, didn't really create too many golden opportunities. I think Adam Lallana was probably the best one. That he had prior to the equaliser, but kept plugging away. Um, didn't really change the game plan. Didn't get too frantic or panicky. Didn't start aimlessly knocking it long. They just stuck to what they know and what they know works. And and um, eventually, it told Andy Robertson's goal in the 87th minute, was it? And strangely, I never actually thought that Liverpool were going to lose that game. Um, I've got into a weird thing where I just assume that Liverpool will always win until the final whistle and I suppose that's a testament to their character and their resilience and everything else you wanna you want to throw at this team. It was just a, an incredible team. So hard to keep out, so hard to stop and even harder to beat. I think it's twenty eight games now without defeat and what is it? Uh 49, it just one defeat in 49 dating back to the start of last season. So yeah, um what a team and it was the once again they've left it late, but a massive win. Uh, that could be even greater when the medals are handed out on May.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just incredible the way Liverpool are just fighting every tooth and nail to the absolute death. But Ian, are you feeling the same as Paul, that Liverpool just can't really lose at the moment or aren't going to lose games? You will not be surprised to hear that I'm going to say no <laughs> to
2: that. That is yeah. exactly <laughs> why I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I did think for the most part, you did get that impression, oh, this is going to be the day where they were going to get they were so They weren't poor in the first half, they were terrible in the first half. The worst they played all season. But you then look at the stats after the game, and I think Liverpool had seventy-four percent possession, twenty-five shots at goal, I think it's twenty-five, eight on target, of which obviously two ended up going in. And if you just looked at that and they got more corners, whatever have you, you go, Well, no wonder they won. But it's just the fact that they keep on doing it in this way. What is it now? You know, the late goal at United to get the draw, the late goal against Leicester. Leicester. I mean even the Tottenham one was like in the last 20 minutes, wasn't it? But not as late as the ones against Arsenal. And uh, in the League Cup in midweek, which was a completely different team, which I'm sure in your previous podcast you'll have spoken about and said, look, it doesn't matter who's playing for Liverpool. They've got it ingrained, haven't they? They just keep on going. And I think with, with the game on Saturday, I mean, Klopp said it was lucky in the sense that they scored the goals late on. But Liverpool deserved to win because they just, it was... I read in, uh, I think it was the Times, Jonathan Northcroft wrote. He said, "Look, Liverpool fans won't like this, but this reminds me very much of uh, Man United under Sir Alex Ferguson, where they just play and play and play. And you, anyone who's old enough to remember watching them, you'd, they'd be losing or they'd be drawing, and you'd just be waiting and waiting and waiting for them to score. What was the what was the commentary line? They always score in the mm. last minute. I can't remember what game that was, but that's the kind of thing that Liverpool have got now. You know, teams like Aston Villa knew when that went to one all. I think everybody in that stadium thought." Uh oh, yeah, yeah. And Liverpool fans were like, "Come on!" You only had to see Andy Robertson's reaction when he, mm. when he, you know, normally when Liverpool score, he's the first one on the scene, celebrating with everybody else. He scores, he just absolutely bombs it back into his own half, and getting, telling everybody else to get back because nice he little knows,
3: pause, yeah. not it? Like a, yeah, he, like he just to off,
2: yeah, because he knows just, there's going to be a bit of injury time. We've got a couple of minutes left in normal time. We can still win this, and they did. And there's that kind of that doesn't happen overnight. You only have to look at. Um, Remember when one of Klopp's first games where they played Crystal Palace at home and he saw when it was one all and yeah. then he went to two one, didn't it? And all the fans started disappearing. He was like, I couldn't believe it. I felt so alone. Yeah. And that was what, four years ago? Four years ago. Four it years not ago. Remember, yeah. And within what was it? Within six months they were scoring a last minute goal against Dortmund to win four three. Which it's funny now you look at that and you think that was one of the great nights, but how many has there been since then? Yeah. So <laughs> It started then, it's gone on from then. Even, you know, there's been, it looks, an thing, about, I think it's also been grown in Liverpool. I don't want to say the phrase DNA, which everybody says, you know, just a decade. You literally just said it. I literally said Roberto Martinez used to say it for Everton as well. Um, but Liverpool have scored more last minute and injury time winners than any other team in the Premier League in history by,
0: by a long way. That's not lucky. I think it's 10 more now isn't it than any other team?
2: I mean at Anfield you can kind of expect it but what was impressive about the one at Aston Villa is the fact that he was away you know and, and they just it doesn't seem to matter where they go they just seem to know that they can get the job done so yeah I understand what Ghosty's saying about yeah he never feels they can get beat but I think the players kind of think that and I think so you know that's a good thing to have especially with the certain big game coming up on Sunday.
0: Yeah absolutely Um, obviously Liverpool didn't Played particularly well during that first 45 minutes, keeper. But, of course, Firmino did get a goal. Um, he was judged to be offside by an armpit. What were your thoughts?
3: Ridiculous, <laughs> wasn't it? It was just, I think Even when, the sentence when is you're ridiculous. It and, you know, it was in the... The VAR room, and he uh, famously, and he (laughs) seemed to be the line. He was just taking it closer and moving it back, and then obviously since then we've seen a lot of people do their own version of it, and it's looked as though you know he was onside. It looked onside just watching it from. In free play, so it just oh, does make you question it. Jamie Carragher had a big rant about it yesterday, didn't he? And said, you know, he was the one person who was believing in it and saying, come on, let's have it. Trusting them, what we've seen yesterday at Everton, even you, you just it just seems to be a lot of different things happening. And for Liverpool, doesn't I know we got the it was James Milner's penalty in the end. That you know they just confirm these decisions, but penalties are awarded anyway. I just feel like it's it's worked for a couple of things, but not for a lot. And they're not using their monitors at the side. Or if he goes over and looks, I think he says, "Do you know what I reckon that's on?" But the, it's like they're scared to overrule what the decision's been yeah. made. So VAR, whoever's in that room, is scared to overrule the referee, and the referee's scared to overrule VAR. So they're like just they're just protecting each other, and it's like having a really negative effect. And Like, you do feel like you just want to scrap it. It's not going to get scrapped, so you've got to fix it. And, like, how do they do that? By obviously looking at the monitors, I think that's the first thing they need to do.
2: I think the thing about the offside is that nearly all of the offsides we've seen so far, that's been like, yeah, that's offside, that's not offside. Even the close ones, you've kind of gone, oh, well, you know, it was a game the other week with Son's Son's toes, clear card, But you can see, that's the first real one where people have gone, hang on a minute. I think it's unfortunate, I'm not going to stick up with the referees, but I think it was unfortunate the angle that they had and the pose that the players were in, and you know, one of them didn't have the foot on the floor, and then he was out, and all their arms were out, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a difficult one in that. But what made it worse is, you know, you, everyone will have seen the clip from Andy Gray going through it on being Chris sport. Mara as well. Yeah, where, where they've had a look and gone, well, he's drawn this one initially, and then this line comes down, it doesn't seem right. And I've seen people trying to explain why, it Might because it may not even be him. It may, I would imagine it's someone in the, in the room um, that's more technical, yeah, technical. than him saying, can you please thinking... draw this, please, again. But, yeah, I think it's, also, you have the whole thing of it came after Martin Atkinson was the, the referee at Old Trafford and then we saw what happened at Everton yesterday where he was on the receiving end of all these daft VAR calls, which, you know, as, as people have been saying, why can't they just go to the pitch side monitor? Because surely that would in some Not be, be, one. Be, I be, can't be, be big, remember anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's, That's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, then it's, it's, and then the referee gets the, the, the choice then, doesn't he, of changing his decision or sticking with his original call and he's not being undermined by someone who's 200 miles away or whatever, in Stockley Park, sitting in a... Where even is Stockley Park? park you, you, love, like, you love mentioning sounds that. Sounds like an <laughs> underground <laughs> bunker, yeah, like doesn't you know, it? Do you know what the funny thing is? They sit there in the referee kits.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That's that, yeah. boss. Have they got shorts on? I know they got the tops on. I've shorts on. It'd socks, boots.
3: Yeah, shin pads.
2: F-K-R-W, that's what they would be. I'll let you work that one out later on. <laughs> one for our... I've never,
1: known, I've never known a player to, <laughs> to score with his armpit. Um, no, imagine the commentator, it's gone on off, off his armpit. It just doesn't happen. It was a nonsense decision.
3: <sighs> I'm sure there was one there where, was it Sterling and his elbow or something? was Against
1: West Ham, I think. And
3: that uh, was
0: why he scored with his elbow, though. So... It almost That's seems the I mean. VAR so has like... been kind of introduced to back up a decision the referee has made whether that is right or wrong um I think we could probably talk about VAR and its decisions all day so I'm probably gonna bring it to a head there because whatever we say about we're talking about decisions more than ever and I think it's going to continue through this season but it needs a review pretty quickly I think but anyway on more positive note I thought Sadio Mane played extremely well Um, when called upon in the final moments, you know, he's one that's producing again, you know, Salah was obviously taken off the pitch due to Ankle, knock. Keeva, what did you make of his performance?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously Liverpool weren't great on the day, but I think he's your standout man and he took a, he he just, he won us the game really didn't he obviously crossed it into Robbo and then he, that header was just magnificent and he got like a a bootful, didn't he, for it. And, you know, that just, everyone was sharing that picture with, like, you know, the the studs in his face and it was like, you know, this is a man very, very hungry to win this Premier League and, you know, I think he has been probably our best player this season, definitely going forward and, you know, you're watching week in, week out and you're just thinking, who is this fella because he is just an unbelievable footballer. He, he, ne- he, The thing about him I love so much, It just you never really know what he's going to do. And like, he never seems to know what he's going to do, but he absolutely does at the same time. And I think that's a skill in itself, isn't it? He just sort of goes with it and he plays in like this childlike, but then world class kind of way. He's just so, he's awesome to watch and he definitely, he deserves all the plaudits after Saturday's game. Because I think, you know. We needed someone who was gonna wrestle and obviously Sal has had this little bit of an injury, so he comes off and you know, Mane stays on and even you know, Liverpool do get better as the game wears on because they have to get better because they have to win. But it, you know, he, he, he was showing bits all game and I think he has all season. He's been absolutely wonderful.
0: Man at the moment for you, Paul?
1: Yeah, I'd have to say so when you I think that was his eighth goal, was it? Put him level with Sadio Mane and um Managed to speak to Virgil Van Dijk after the game, and I asked him, "What is it about this team that enables them to just always pull something out the bag?" And, you know, when it, when it's desperately needed. And for him, he just said, "Look, it's it's not it's nothing crazy. We just carry on playing the same way, and it, that makes sense." I mean, looking you look for for Robertson's equalizer, Liverpool desperately needing the goal in the last final seconds, and no one's really panicking or cowering or hiding or leaving it to other players. Mane still still tries that, that pass with his left foot. Um whereas other other teams, other players on on other days might look to just pass it inside and keep it simple and, and you know not look for stuff which might not come off. So stuff like that was you know, that that pass for Robertson was, was right on a six wasn't he? Couldn't miss six yards out with a, with a free header. Um and then for for the winner, it's it's amazing how it's not a
0: great corner is it
1: but the, 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 yeah and Klopp said after the game I the, that was, yeah they'd
2: worked hadn't they? the, it Liverpool were, so. we're yeah, trying yeah, yeah, that, yeah.
1: that short corner that, that you know low flight of delivery to the near post and when you look at it on the replay Sadio Mane goes so far past the near post and manages to get it across back across the, the far post into the corner without Tom Heaton getting near it and he stuck a boot in the face while he's done that so he just he was just so determined to make that the decisive moment and yeah, you asked me is he the man of the moment? He's gotta be, hasn't he? I mean, particularly attacking wise, he's he never hides, you know he never, he never he's never quiet even when he's not having a great day. Um what a what a fantastic player.
0: Yeah, I only say about the delivery because I think it's just so far behind man, and obviously that is where he's trying to guide him to that far corner. But he stoops low. He's I just don't think it's it's where they look where what? they're gonna want it, really. Did when you look at a freeze sure, frame I'm where sure he's I'm heading against- that ball.
3: And if it doesn't sure go it in, the and then it's a 1 1 draw, you can't kind of like, look at that delivery. But, you know, it did go in, so we can look at it going, that was a great delivery. But I know what you mean. When it come in, I was going, <laughs> tell me different, Ian. Tell me different. <laughs> I was looking at a thing, and no one's getting their head to this, but then there you go.
0: They have practiced that quite a
2: lot. I think I'm pretty sure they nearly scored from one in the Tottenham game or put it yeah. wide. I'm pretty sure that's right. So it's something that, you know, they've got quite a few, you know, in their repertoire. I mean, a lot of the time they just put it in, and then Van Dyke gets his head on, the end, on it, and then, you know, then it gives the defence something to do. Funny thing about Manny is I don't think he played particularly well for nearly all of that game. Klopp spoke afterwards about his, he has great mentality because he obviously got booked for diving, which I don't think it was a penalty, but I also don't think it was a dive either. Um, not in the traditional sense of just falling mm. over. He did get a touch, but it was never enough to, to win a penalty. Bit theatrical. And then the fans were on his back, the home fans. They would they they tried to get him sent off at one point, when I think mm. when he made a tackle. And I'm right in saying, was Mane give away the free kick for the goal, didn't he, as well? the goal that the... I think did, it actually, did, yeah. yeah. So if you look at it, and he had a shot where he slipped and went, it fell over, and he had a header that he put wide, and then he, he obviously puts the ball in for Firmino, which should have been a goal. So he's he epitomised Liverpool in the sense that he wasn't playing particularly well, but he just stuck at it. And it was, you know, when he was over, he got pushed onto the right wing uh, when Salah went off. And that's obviously where he, you know, he, he got, the assist came from. And then as we said, the the old training ground routine paid off and, and they got the win.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to stick with you for a moment as well and just talk about another player who didn't actually play against Villa but is another man who is playing extremely well at the moment and I think Liverpool missed him, is Fabinho. Hmm. Um, what did you kind of make of his non-inclusion um, and do you think, you know, what, what do you think comes next for Fabinho? I think he plays against Genk and we'll move on to Genk in a minute as well?
2: Uh, yes, we'll move on to that though uh, in a bit. Yeah, I think... Me and Paul spoke about it before the game. We said it would make wouldn't make any sense not to, to would make any sense to play him against Aston Villa. The weird thing is that he was on the bench. I just think he shouldn't have been included at all if that was the case. Simply because you know what? what I would risk could, yeah, exactly. That you know, risk are yeah. Liverpool going to go one 0 down. So they were. In fact, there was that scenario we talked about. If it's one nil down? Are they going to bring him on to try and change the game? I don't think so. So what was the, and if they're winning two one or you know want to see the game Maybe out? Maybe just like a little bring him on. superstition yeah. that yeah. he's
3: been with the team and just to keep him in the...
2: Well, it was the right decision not to play him. It was a gamble. Lallana was the interest. So that wasn't that much of a surprise. The surprise was actually playing Lallana in that position. And Klopp explained it afterwards. He says, look, he says, we knew we'd get tons of possession, which they did. He says, we knew that we would have, you know, we needed a deep line playmaker is what he said. He said, we need players who are going to chip the ball forward and you know pass the ball through the gaps and all this, that, and the other. And while Fabinho can do that, Obviously, that's more Lalana's game. Problem is, in the first half, is that Villa, the way they played, it put Lalana under an awful lot of pressure because they put the long balls in and, you know, and heading the ball clear and all that kind of stuff. That's not his forte, which meant that the two centre backs were then exposed a little bit to Wesley. But you have to say, in the second half, they got to grips with them. I mean, Lovren wasn't great in the first half, but he improved massively after the break. Van Dijk didn't have his best game, but he still managed to get that tackling to prevent yeah. them from making it 2 0. So they all had their own little contributions in a way. Lalana. I, th- I wouldn't have been surprised if Lallana had started say Aston Villa at home when they were going to get the same amount of possession, but yes. they'd have known that the Villa team would have been sitting back even more because they were you know, playing away from home. So in that sense, it was a surprise. But you know, I know we've mentioned his miss, but Fabinho wouldn't have been in that position. You know what yeah. I mean? He wouldn't. So that's not a go on Fabinho because that's not his game. Or there's no chance Fabinho's not playing against Man City, for example. He is oh, one, of Liverpool, one of Liverpool's most important players. Lallana... He,
0: he he can do that job. Will he do it loads of times this season? No. Will he do it again this season? Yeah. Fine. Good. Um. Another thing to note from the weekend, and I'll come to you for this, Paul, is happy 100. Trent Alexander-Arnold. I know you got to sit down with the young, scouse defender. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Yeah, just uh,
1: had a had a chance to, to chat to, to, to Trent last week ahead of that hundredth appearance, and I think we all knew it was coming. Um, and I thought he was probably Liverpool's best player, actually, on Saturday. He was, the, he was the one who didn't dip below his usual high standards. I mean, you could say Mane as well, but I thought he, he was head and shoulders above, uh, above every Liverpool player on the pitch. Um, once again, um, another assist for him. Um, he, he, he he put in so many great balls, actually, on, on Saturday, just raiding down the right. Um, and he was unlucky, actually, with the free kick in, in the last minute, um, which actually resulted in the corner. It's a free kick in the day if you haven't seen it yet, and it was set up for him, wasn't it, to, to crown his hundred appearance with the goal, and he struck it well. Took a deflection just over, and then he's got the assist uh, for the for the winner. Um, don't know what, what, what more you can you can say that hasn't already been said about him. He's played more games now than Stephen Gerrard and Jamie Carragher at the same age. He's played 30 more games than Carragher at the same age, which when you consider Carragher played 737 times and second on the all-time list is, is some some achievement for a player who's only turned 21 last month. Brilliant player, so many years ahead of him at the, at the elite level, Ballon d'Or nominee. Uh, credit to Liverpool's coaching staff, credit to the city. Um, Fast becoming one of my favourite Liverpool players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your chat, you can read on the Liverpool Echo website and he spoke about wanting to become captain one day, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he did. To be fair, he, he said that's something he's never shied away from and he had that ambition when he was 17 or 18. So, it was only going to grow as he got more seniority in the team. And the one thing I was actually surprised about when I spoke to him was I asked him, at what point did you start to feel like you weren't an academy player anymore and you were a, a senior member of the Liverpool team? And and he said the Champions League final in two thousand and eighteen, which I think if you look back on it roughly, it, it, that would have been round about maybe his fiftieth Liverpool yeah. game. So we would have played in semi-finals and quarter-finals and and you know playing for the team we were pushing for the top four in the Premier League. So I was surprised at that. I thought that might have come a lot earlier in, in his career, but it showed that the mentality that he has, that he, you know, he's never satisfied, he's never resting on his laurels, and he just wants to get better and better. And the captaincy comes into that bracket. So uh, he's only 21 and he's got years on the side, and maybe one day we, we will see him with the captain's armband.
3: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Slightly moving on, um, but not moving on too far. After Liverpool won 2-1 against Aston Villa, Man City also won 2-1 against Southampton. And that really wasn't on Pep Guardiola's mind, was it, Ian Doyle? No,
2: I think, well, if you if you want to be chronologically correct, uh, Man City won slightly before slightly Liverpool. Liverpool did. Yeah. Okay. OK, thank okay. you for correcting me. That's OK, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but the point being is that Guardiola, Pep said... We went into the dressing room after the game and it was still one one at Aston Villa and then he said and then it was two one and then he came out with this thing about oh they've got great talent except you know it's not fortunate that they keep scoring these late goals. Sometimes it's through diving, which was an obvious reference to Sadio Mane. I mean there's been no history, recent history of any Manchester City players diving to win stuff. No history of them kind of bending the rules, no history of (laughs) tactical
0: (laughs) fouls, no history of them putting Sterling and Sane are both on three yellow cards each. (laughs) For diving and Liverpool, overall in the last two seasons, they've had three between them. All three
2: of them for diving each.
0: Yeah, really. Wow. Yeah. In the last two seasons, mm.
2: uh, and there's been there's no history of them trying to put you know, referees under pressure or or questioning the. They're just you know, above board. Questioning They're the a high authorities or in any way, you know, there's been none of that from Manchester. Actually, yeah, that was a, a a cheap cheap shot there from me, but but not wrong. So tough. Uh, anyway, yeah, Pep, he does like to have a little chat about Liverpool. Uh, it's. Con- complete contrast to Jurgen Klopp, or at least what Jurgen Klopp says in public, where he says, you know, I asked him after the game, and he's like, I didn't, I didn't even, he, kind of making it, he didn't even know what the Man City score was at that point, which was about 25 minutes after the Liverpool game had finished. So you're thinking, nah. nobody points out to him. Yeah, they won. Now, I think he must have obviously known. But Pep just can't help himself. And we were talking about this in the office yesterday, weren't we? I know Joe Rimmer, uh, who sometimes hosts this podcast. I think he's in a meeting at the moment. He, uh, he, he was saying he absolutely loves Pep. Because he's he's just so competitive. It's like imagine just like playing I don't know a game of Tiddlywinks Winks with him or something like that, or playing him on FIFA or something like that. He, he's the kind of person who just rage quits. Throw the controller. Yeah, exactly. he <laughs> yeah. yeah. just like he starts scoring on goals <laughs> to get the game forfeited and stuff like that. Not that I do that, obviously. Um, yeah. So in that sense, yeah, you can see it, it's all building up, isn't it? They weren't doing this last season. I wrote a piece yesterday, yeah, uh, basically saying what I liked about the running last year when they were winning game after game. They were taking turns winning. City win one day, then Liverpool then the next, then it'd be Liverpool City. There was the respect they had for each so other. and nice. they were all, Yeah, it was good. It was just basically let's just concentrate on the football and just winning and winning and winning. Don't battle, do we? Well, just look for the needle. <laughs> like it's a big... A like, like, well, yeah. But, 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 the needle's only going one way. Yeah, It's coming true. from City towards Liverpool. And it's the old thing. I'm going to mention Sir Alex Ferguson again in this podcast. i what was accused of, you know, just mentioning United whenever I can. But <laughs> what was said about him is that You were always his friend until you started beating him. Benitez, uh, Mourinho, Benga, people like that. And I think Guardiola's a little bit the same. You know, he's all very pally until he suddenly realises, hang on, these are threats. And I think it's kind of getting that way with Liverpool. I think uh, the club overall with City, there's the thing on the plane as well after the end of last season, which I know they've apologised for, but it wasn't particularly clever. There's been one or two other bits and bobs. The fixture thing, the operating manager at City came out and said, you know, this, what was it, compromising the, the sport and integrity? of mm-hmm. the competition or something? Which kind of basically saying that it's favouring another team. And the obvious implication, though, is it's Liverpool. So I think...
1: It's quite ironic from yeah, Manchester
2: City, th- thinking
1: about sport and integrity.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, Manchester City, a great team. Love Pep. I think he's great. They've got so many good players. But the fact that they're coming out of, certainly the managers coming out with something like this suggests that he knows Liverpool. We already knew that they were the main competition, but I think he's, you know, he realizes now that Liverpool are going to be a team that they are going to have to hope messes up. Basically, yeah. if Liverpool beat City without wishing to look too bad, Liverpool beat City on Sunday. They're going to be nine points clear, yeah. which is a lot. It's a lot of games to make up. It's a long way to go, but. You can see City are starting to get a little bit nervous. Yeah.
3: What I took from that, him coming out straight away and speaking about Liverpool and saying, like, you know, hinting at Manet diving, obviously someone in the dressing room said to him, Mane got yellow carded, but then he went on to score the winner. He must know these things have happened. And then he's been fuming a little bit, thinking, you know, it was 1 1 and then it was 2 1. And they've all sort of experienced that in the dressing room together, like, oh, Liverpool have just scored in the last minute. And that must have been gotten for them thinking, well, you know, we could have closed the gap a little bit there ahead of obviously this Sunday's big showdown. And I think that just told to me that there's cracks there a little bit. There was fury and I don't mind that because I think, you know, it's a passionate thing. But I feel like he might have just slipped up by just giving Liverpool, he's given Jürgen Klopp something now and this Liverpool team, particularly Mane. Surely he's going to know that he said this about him and... Like how does this affect him on Sunday? Obviously, we said he didn't have the best game, but he popped up with the two vital moments for Liverpool. I think this is just fuel now to Mane's fire, and I think you'll see, hopefully, the best. And obviously, last season, them inches and stuff. All this now is just—it's oh, going to be the biggest game of the season, isn't it? I
1: want to see Mane do a swan dive for a penalty <laughs> in, in front of Guardiola.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Cop end. So I was going to ask you there, Kiba. Obviously, the dynamic between Liverpool and City has, has changed a little bit. I think City were probably on top last season, but now Liverpool seem to, seem to be in that position. You know, teams would turn up to play City at the Etihad and maybe try and get away with a 1-0 loss and think get, we've got bigger and better games to move on to. But now they kind of look beatable. <laughs> Liverpool seem stronger, seem like, you know, McGinn came out after the Villa game and said, you know, they knew that Liverpool kept on pressing, they just wore them down. Why do you think that dynamic has changed? Why do you think City have you know, maybe just gone behind Liverpool a little bit?
3: I don't think the injuries have helped, have they? Obviously, they've had quite a, a few senior injuries to their squad, obviously, Lepore and players like that. They've been having to play midfielders in defence, which obviously doesn't help. You know, We wouldn't enjoy that as Liverpool as much as we've got these versatile players, as much as City. You, you don't really want to see Fabinho alongside Van Dijk do you want to mm. see him in his natural sort of deep line midfield role so you know obviously I think that's, that takes its toll but City just to get that point past us last year I think it just took everything out of them and I kind of like what Tottenham have done this season getting to the Champions League final and not winning they're kind of just like a bit knackered team, and you know that kind of but obviously City aren't and they're going to keep coming for Liverpool and you know they're, they're not too far away are they from us really if the it'll be three points if they get a win on Sunday. So, you know, they're, they're always going to be that way. But I just feel like Liverpool, knowing that, they, that point last season, I just think it's just, it's fuel, isn't it? Like I said before, Mane will be gone this weekend. They all will be and they'll know that, you know, they could have been Premier League champions. They quickly forgot about that, obviously, what happened with Madrid. But, you know, they, they're not going to really be forgetting it, are they? And I think that's that's one of the, the major differences this season is just that Liverpool... I just feel like they want it more. And I think it didn't help City. Obviously they played Southampton in midweek, didn't they, for the in the League Cup and then obviously had to play them at the weekend. Southampton coming on the back of a nine 0 defeat at Leicester. So obviously they need to turn things around They're in the relegation zone. But other teams have obviously had this thing, Norwich and Newcastle was it as well to see this season got beat by. Yep. I just feel like teams Teams are sussing out City and Liverpool this season, but Liverpool aren't letting them get to them in the same way.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we'll obviously discuss City in an incredible amount of depth next Friday, which I'm sure you'll all be super excited and tuning in for when we hopefully will also be dissecting a win against Genk on Wednesday. Just before we move in to a little bit of Genk stuff, there was the mini derby. On Saturday, the Liverpool under-23s played Everton under-23s and I'll talk about this because I don't think anybody really knows a great, great deal. Um, if I'm honest, on, on on on. We were, everybody we were, was at Aston Villa.
2: Yeah. We know that they won
0: Yeah, and I've seen quite a bit of the under-23s
2: this season and I know they've, I think the under-23s basically are, they're a team who basically built to attack. That's basically what they try and do. I mean, you look at some of the scores. you're captain of Curtis Jones, you're
1: always going to be that, that way it's inclined.
2: Just, some of the scores have been like ridiculous, 3-0, 4-3, yeah. stuff like that. So they've all been you know close games, and obviously this was another one. They've
0: not been you know doing the best this season, no. have they? And that doesn't help because you know some of your best players go up to the first team, they travel with the squads and things like that. So you never really know with the 23s, your full squad, who you're going to get until so probably a few days before, maybe even the, on the day of the game. But... As it happened, um, Tony Gallagher opened the scoring for Liverpool. Um, Dennis Denryan equalised in the first half, and then, as is the Liverpool way at the moment, in the final moments, Herbie Kane scored a 25-yard absolute screamer um, to win the game two-one for Liverpool. And you know, it, once again, Liverpool proved that they can they can do a job in the final moments and you know push till the very end. Um, I know that Neil Critchley, the under-23s boss, came out afterwards and he, and he praised Yasser Larucci, who I'm actually a massive fan of. And I've seen him a few times and he plays at left back, but he actually played up front for Liverpool when Jones and Elliot were either side of him. And he, he played really, really well. And he was attacking the defence and holding the ball up well for Liverpool and, and, you know, really getting Liverpool into good positions. Though he didn't score, he, he played really well. And I think, you know, he's probably one to watch out for in a number of positions, to be honest. but
2: He's played under, uh, up front for the under-23s a couple of times this season. He played he played in the Premier League Cup against Wigan. Right. He played up front and they won 3-2. Once again, he didn't score, but he brought other people into play and he was a winger when he first started as well. So he's he was, not yeah. averse to, to go on. But what that does show is, I wrote this last week actually, that if you remember, it, Paul Glatzel, Bobby Duncan, Ryan Brewster, Fidel O'Rourke, Sorry, uh, there was you know, there were quite a lot of players last season and now Glad and are injured, Duncan's gone and Brewster's spending most of his time with the first team so they're under 23 and to a lesser extent under 18 because they've got Leighton Stewart they're struggling for actual main front line mm-hmm. centre forwards but yeah. when you've got people like as Gorsi said Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott played as well they're, they're always going to have a goal threat
1: When when they played in Napoli they almost played with um, Harvey Elliott as like a, a false nine it, they played with the three up front that day and didn't really work. They didn't have much of a presence, and it was Leighton Stewart who got the equaliser. Yeah. Uh, he, he scores goals. He does, yeah. he does like um, a goal. He he's very much seen, I think, as the as an archetypal number nine. But yeah. he's he's only just moved up to eighteen, so he, he might have a couple of years yet before he's with the twenty threes every week. So yeah. I think it's interesting that the fact that they're the playing Larucci there as a, a centre forward. Um, I, I'm I'm with you. I think I think he's a he's a great player with with very with loads of potential. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if you can kind of make that adjustment from left back uh, to a to a centre forward
2: yeah absolutely I mean and they're all playing as they'll probably all be playing on Tuesday as well yeah in the yeah. UAP Youth League at the, St. the St. home right. of sports St Helens <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, absolutely and they'll be playing against Genk won't they indeed yes and uh, the first team will also be playing against Genk <laughs> <laughs> the seamless transitions everywhere. so, so awesome. many this podcast is yeah. full of transitions and um, Anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit first about team news for Genk. Um, we've discussed Fabinho. I guess everybody thinks he's going to come back in, Paul.
1: I guess so. He's, I think he's, he's one of the... Well, he is the first name on the team sheets in the midfield, isn't he? And he was left out for a very specific reason on Saturday. So we we'll see no reason why he won't come back in. I imagine... Gini Aldam and Jordan Henderson alongside them. Um, but yeah, I, I expect Fabinho to start... Tomorrow night and then Sunday as well.
0: I think there's a question as well, and I think that's probably what needs to be said about Fabinho really because I think he's gonna play. Um about the centre backs. Do you rest Virgil van Dijk in? No, Doyle?
2: you rest Dayan Lovren. <coughs> Joe, Gomez Joe Gomez has to play. Joe Gomez will
0: play. Are we gonna do the, team?
2: Are we gonna do the team now? Do well, I mean you team? can sort of go through it, but I yeah. was
0: gonna say I would I would rest. I would play Lovren and Gomez. Interesting.
2: interesting.
1: interesting. Then again, I think you might see. Be- <laughs> Sounds you might, you might see the same <laughs>
2: field
0: as, as the
2: away game. hope he doesn't for my sake. Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Because I wrote a piece saying, oh, this will never get seen for ages. True, so he he does, yeah. <laughs> I just
3: I don't know if Fabinho does start with him, but then yeah. it, I don't think he can go into the City game cold Is my only worry. But I just feel like we know how important he is and his absence on Saturday pretty much proved that if we didn't already know. But... I feel like we can have a more. We obviously we played against Genk and they they look quite good, didn't they? Going forward and stuff. But I just feel like we can play a bit more of a dynamic midfield and you know mix it up a little bit for Oxen and probably Cater as well and Wunaldum and just let him have a little bit more rest. But then my only worry is, does there any just do you,
1: you give him half an hour off the bench?
3: Do you, yeah, do you know what I mean? Mm. Just to give him that like fluidity and the momentum going into the weekend because I feel like if you left him out completely cold, he would lose that. Like you know off the back of an international break even though as Klopp said he doesn't really he just flies doesn't he
0: so this has been a bit of a higgledy-piggledy team these, but I was just going to go through the big questions first and then go through our teams in a minute Um, I think the other question is about Salah Um, clearly he's still having a little bit of issue after that Chowdhury tackle against Leicester he's clearly having an issue with his ankle that's why he was brought off Klopp never brings him off do you think he plays against Genk?
1: No I don't actually it's been a month now hasn't it? Yeah Um, since that shot on tackle from Chaudhry and he missed Manchester United because of it and he's getting brought off. And Klopp said on Friday that it wasn't a real injury, it was just more, more of an annoying one and he just needs to have a little bit of fluid taken out of the ankle, but it's, it's, it's still troubling him, definitely. So I think maybe this is the ideal time to
0: bring on Divacorigi. I think
2: there'll be loads of changes. I think you can have as many as six.
0: Huh? Okay. Mm. Right, let's go through the team then. Ingo goal, Alisson Becker. Yeah, Yep. yeah, 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 left back, Andy Robertson, yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh, hello, the Liverpool's still gonna win, this no,
2: game. Know, Lari- yeah. not know. Um, Lari- not um, not La Ricci, no, I mean, I think Milner's playing somewhere, I mean, let's put it that way. That's
0: what my, my, so thing you, would be is Milne. he playing at left back?
2: I don't know, I don't, let's go with Robertson, let's stay with Robertson,
0: okay. Well, as we have already discussed, I think centre backs for me, I would play Gomez and Lovren. I think obviously Van Dijk has played every minute as he always does. I think he needs a rest. Um, every player needs a rest, no matter who you are, no matter where you're playing, unless probably you're a goalkeeper. He does a lot of work, he does a lot of running, he does a lot of covering and I just don't think a 90 minutes would do him any bad sitting out. Kiva?
3: No, I'll have to disagree just because I feel like... I think un- everyone would disagree. At yeah, time. We are, yeah. It's yeah. um un- It's uncomfortable watching Liverpool without him, I think, at the back, isn't it? There's still that little bit of he's discomfort like, he's the
1: father figure isn't do you he? know what I mean yeah. If
3: I think if Gomez and Lovren play I think the you know the stand in good stead of getting a clean sheet I just feel like you say he's the, the father figure god like I'd say
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. well the well, god was the father of Jesus apparently Ian yes um, <laughs> and now Gomez and Van Dyke centre back ok I
0: think I'd stick with Lovren
1: actually Lovren and Van Dijk because it, it seems as though Lovren has nudged his way well. ahead of Joe Gomez. I actually thought maybe it was a chance with, with Matipin, it was a chance for Gomez to come in and just stay in the team and rebuild his momentum and, and whatever else to the point that he was at last season. But it seems the Klopp is sticking with Lovren for now, so I don't see any point in uh, disrupting that for this one. Yeah. I'm putting Gomez in, by the way, I don't think i clarified that. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> fair
3: enough.
0: Went
3: round the world. And,
0: just God, well, Jesus, yeah, disciples yeah, and yeah, Gomez.
3: Yeah. <laughs> there we go.
0: Um, midfield we know Fabinho's playing (laughs) no we don't go on I think for me it's probably going to be Fabinho I think it's going to be Ronaldo, and I think it's going to be Milner because I'm not playing him at left back Kiba
3: I think you could have Milner replacing Fabinho in the midfield and have Ox and Keita that's mad I know but just like do something (laughs) I don't want like Henderson he was brilliant at the end of the game and it's great to have him because I think I seen his touches and everything got better as the game went on. Well, I think the Liverpool's performances the weekend. I just feel like we need to just do something that's gonna have a little bit of respite for them going into what is the biggest game of the season. You've surely got to think ahead to that. And I feel like Oxley chamberlain and Naby Keita had a great game against Genk and they've you know proved themselves when they come on at Old Trafford. And I just feel like they need a little bit more leverage now from Klopp. They need just a little bit more time to to bask in their and qualities.
2: Ian? Fabinho, Milner and Cater. Okay. Fabinho, Oxlade-Chamberlain
1: and Cater with a chance to redeem himself from a really disappointing performance against Arsenal. Um, yeah, that's my midfield three.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think Cater and Oxy chamberlain will probably be involved at some point. Um, but as you've pointed out, Liverpool need to win this game, which I'll we'll come on to in a minute. Um, up front, I don't think Salah's going to play. I think he needs a rest. Um, So I think it's going to be Origi, Firmino and Mane. Does everybody agree? Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Liverpool currently sit in second in their group, don't they? Um, They're one point behind Napoli. Genk are only on a single point after three games. If Liverpool win this, it puts them in such a good position to qualify, doesn't it, Ian?
2: it doesn't if Napoli beats Salzburg which there's every chance then you'd have Salzburg on 3 Napoli on 12 Liverpool on 9 and
0: Genk on 1 Liverpool on 11 uh, no nah, 9 they're not they're on because 8 they right
2: lost, now no they're not they're on 6 are they? yeah they lost the first game lost against Napoli. He said he did. Yeah. <laughs> my apologies and also also you don't get 2 points for a draw other than that you've done really well yeah. there. well done me <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I know that's all ifs and buts but Liverpool just have to concentrate on winning this game they should win it Uh but yeah, if Napoli beat Salzburg, that doing a bit of a favour because then you could have the interesting thing of Liverpool's next game being against Napoli and Napoli coming to Anfield and knowing if they get a draw they're through. And Liverpool knowing that if they get a draw they're through with the game to go. Because that
3: Spider Man memes coming to me yeah, now, you know yeah. that just pointing at each other like yeah. we can
2: do this. So I think I think Liverpool, yeah, will win. Yeah.
0: Fine. I, th- I don't think anyone needs to be said about that really, does it? Because we're obviously going to wait for Klopp's press conference this afternoon where the manager will tell us a bit more about players, injuries, a little bit more about Genk and looking ahead to the game. Ghosty, how do you think it's going to go? I fully expect Liverpool to, to
1: dominate. Genk have become the, the whipping boys of the group, haven't he? Even though they, they managed to draw against Napoli at home, was it? Was that mm-hmm. where their draw came from? I, I mean, Liverpool... Maybe maybe four one flattered Liverpool slightly in Belgium. Um they got the goal within the first minute with Oxide Chamberlain. And it was a it was a contest until oxlade Chamberlain's second kind of took the wind out of them. And then Liverpool added the third and fourth later on. I think maybe that flattered Liverpool, but still still fancy Liverpool to to have no real problems at Anfield against them tomorrow. Um so I'm gonna say three nil. Keep a prediction.
3: Four nil.
0: Four nil?
2: Three one. Liverpool just forgotten how to keep clean sheets.
0: Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Well, hopefully that happens and we come back on Friday to discuss a great win against Genk, an almost qualification for the Champions League, knockout rounds and the game against Manchester City. Join us then. Thank you very much for listening.
3: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.